Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is funded by Patreon. Join for early access to special bonus episodes and exclusive material, including the upcoming Scooby-Doo Book Club. Joining is the best way that you can be a part of shaping the material we produce, and we are super thankful to everyone who contributes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Gordon, Spencer Graham, Matthew Bang, Blake Sawyer, Ashley Martinez, Dan Reed, Gabriel Pezek, Toj, Anderson Skull, Wynn Richport, Samuel Chesser, Sarah Thal, Bradford N. Smith, and Paige on Gaming for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Scooby-Doo Ghastly Goals. One exclamation point, there are two. It is both Scooby-Doo and the Ghastly Goals themselves that we are excited about. And yet I wrote down no exclamation points at all, because this was just a waste of my fucking time. It's a little underwhelming, I have to say. Uh, even at first glance, I feel like the animation that we're getting on this special even doesn't seem quite as polished as what I'm used to. It's got a weird style on the buildings sometimes. Yeah, that's what it is. The backgrounds just seem a little flatter, a little more basic. And I think some of the things that I've really highlighted in this era of Scooby-Doo have been like, like things like the lighting and the atmosphere that they have. And this movie, you know, to not, not to do too big of a pun, it eschews it. It's not a movie. <laughs> I, keep, I keep having to be reminded. <laughs> these special episodes really should be movies, though. We keep setting up these grand, huge things. Like, the first one was, like, the fucking Olympics. And yeah. now here we're in Brazil for, like, a soccer championship. And that's a big fucking deal in Brazil. Like, this it needs is. an hour and a half to fully explore and how big a fucking deal that is. Plus, the monster they chose <laughs> definitely needs more than what it got. I know you're trying to speak. Maybe you should stop trying to cut me off, Billy. Ya bitch. No, you're right. You're right. You, sh you, you go on and you go off because that's totally accurate. And the only thing I was going to say is that this definitely came out sort of in conjunction with a world games. Something where the world was excited and Scooby-Doo could give them just the hit they were looking for. And it doesn't. The backgrounds kind of speak to me of like a... It almost feels superhero-esque. Like a little, a little comic-y? Yeah, like maybe they pulled this straight from a fucking Static Shock episode you know and like you know what like i don't even mind it necessarily 
I'm fine with an abstracted background. Yeah. But it's just the the expectation that's been set in this universe of Scooby-Doo. Is ha- that the lines are fucking colored in. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> is that it's, it's more realistic and grounded and that it's more focused on atmosphere. That's not what this does. And so it does take me a little aback. It's already like a million degrees in the apartment. Let's get it into is. the premise so we can uh, just sure, get this going. We can do that. We can absolutely do that. Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, Fred, Daphne, and Velma take a vacation in Brazil to see the International Soccer Cup. But Eshu, a mythical beast, appears and threatens to end the game. So the gang go to Brazil. <laughs> do you like how it listed everybody individually in painful detail? <laughs> I feel like that wouldn't have been as funny if you hadn't just asked me to hurry things along. But I swear, that's how it's written. And yeah, the gang are here in Brazil. It's the International Soccer Cup. And boy, do they love soccer in Brazil. We open up this movie on a parade. And that's just my first note is, boy, they love soccer. Look at all their floats. They're all about soccer. It's a one-note parade. Well, I mean, maybe a note and a half, because we also got some Carnival crammed in there A little bit of that. I wasn't sure exactly what was happening there. Hey, guys, if we go to Brazil and there's a parade, there's got to be women out there that are half-nude and shaking it up for the crowd. And you know what? I'm all about that for Carnival, but that doesn't seem to be what this is. This is get your tits out for soccer, and I'm not into that. (laughs) You can't spell soccer without T and A. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I can't stop laughing about it. Well, who do you want to start with, Amelia? Well, let's start with the uh, Velma vision. Okay. Because the opening is slightly Carnival, and she's the one that's really into it. Everyone, for some reason, the gang is like right on the sidelines of this parade even though no one's invited them. Yeah, like, it's it's not is... like many other parades that they've been to where they're standing ne- right next to the organizers of the parade. This is them. They have just pushed their way to the front of the Brazilian crowd because they feel it's titled to be there, <laughs> damn it. And Velma is the one that's dancing to the carnival music that's she's, going on. She's into it. And you know what? I will say they probably aren't the only Americans there. Because at this International Soccer Cup, it is Brazil versus USA. Oh, there's no way. Does the USA ever get this high in, like, soccer tournaments? I highly doubt it. It feels very odd that they're there. But they're there! And I'm sure that Mr. Incorporated are not the only attendees of this event from the United States of America. Unfortunately. As much fun as Velma is having at this parade, watching the TNA, though, it does not let her become distracted from the mystery solving. She is at her most efficient, I think, she's ever been here. Oh, I hate it. She pulls up her smartphone and, like, goes into, like, WebMD for monsters. Instead of describing your symptoms, you're describing your monster, and it's going to get you exactly where you need to go. And it's like, what is the fucking point of these special fucking episodes that they put on DVDs? They're so lazy. I think I would have liked that more if it was in a movie and your subplot was that Velma was actually trying to help the gang be more efficient 
and that she had like created an app. If this that, was her app, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and she's like, "Look, I've I've she's done this." She's on fucking giggle again. She's on giggle. Get off that giggle, girl. New T-shirt coming with that slogan. <laughs> Get off the giggle, girl. It's been a long time since we pitched a T-shirt <laughs> that we're never gonna make. No, I don't. We've not made. W- don't worry, listeners. You haven't missed your chance. We have never made one T-shirt or followed through on a merch idea. <laughs> Velma is the one that seems to be into soccer, which is no surprise in the past she has been shown to be the sports fan. Yeah. Although it's usually been either, like, bloodlust or because you can get stats going. So, like, she likes hockey for bloodlust, baseball for stats. I'm not entirely sure where soccer falls into either of those. She did land positive on wrestling in the end. But again, blood sport. But soccer is not a blood sport, y'all. Really good line from Velma in this movie. When the gang is trying to figure out what to do next, we'll have to do what we always do. Sneak around and defy authority. Fuck yeah. That's what they do. That's why we like this show. Well, the authority is one man in a golf cart, so it's, it's, I don't know, it's not that much raging against the machine, if you ask me. Have they met the security guard yet? No. No, okay, so it wasn't even security they were raging against, it was just Rob Paulson in the golf cart. (laughs) And I think that's it for Velma. Alright, then let's get into Daphne's one note. She... Uh, is in love with a dot-eyed black man after making brief eye contact. Fred is jealous of that fact. What an original fucking storyline. Never seen this one before. I think One of the two attractive characters likes another outside (laughs) character from the gang, and then they get jealous of each other? So new! (laughs) This, This is it, listeners. This is officially, if it hadn't been before... This is officially when we are over this plot line. She I, I think doesn't we... even talk to the dot-eyed no. black man. It doesn't. It doesn't get followed up on. But I think even the threat that that would be the storyline in this episode, like we just both visibly like Ugh, again, like there are only so many ways that we can talk about Daphne having a crush on another man, or at this point even having a crush on Fred Jones. It peaked with Mystery Incorporated. Fuck off! I think still Stage Fright was a good Daphne Fred, but they built it around that. Daphne says there are no mysteries on vacation. Liar. Purple liar. (laughs) (laughs) You're the real monster here. For lying. (laughs) She does find a broken vial in the alley. That helps with the mystery. Oh, because in Brazil, no offense, Brazil, finding a, a dirty, broken test tube in an alley immediately means clue. I, you know what? I don't think that's even Brazil. I think that's just alleys in general. <laughs> There's something about an alley that encourages chemists and other <laughs> scientists to keep doing their, their mad experiment. Did Shaggy and Scooby find churros immediately upon landing in Brazil? They're not eating churros. I swear they're eating churros at the beginning. No, I was going to save this for general thoughts or feelings, but for some reason, every fucking food in Brazil is on a stick. The first food we see them eating is not a churro, it's something on a stick. 
It looks suspicious. I, I won't hammer this point home, but I will agree. There is a suspicious number of items that they are putting on sticks here. The whole movie ends with Shaggy and Scooby eating pizza on a stick. They also have pancakes. <laughs> you know, these ethnic Brazilian foods, pizza and pancakes. I know. I think they're trying to go for, like, there's a Brazilian meat-based dish. I think it's served on swords or some shit. If that's trying to riff on that, like, look, that's not a churro. I think that's what a churro actually looks like. You can look it up, Billy, but the animation isn't going to get any more clearer. It's got, the, it's got those ridges. Fine, whatever. Billy can have this one. They're eating churros on a stick. I don't give a shit. They then go on to eat pickles on a stick. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> now, food on a stick is admittedly better than food not on a stick. Like what? You're proposing it just tossed on the ground? Or, or in a, on a plate in your hand. A stick is fun. A stick is fun. Uh, you know what's not fun? Getting hit in the head with a soccer ball. And that's what happens to our old friend Scooby-Doo. Was that, was that a natural transition? No, because he's not my friend. <laughs> I think you'll find on more than one occasion I've advocated to put this dog down, so... Well, alright, well then how did you feel? When the, Scooby-Doo gets hit in the head with a soccer ball, and then the boys who hit, them, who hit him in the head are like, Hey, dog, go get it. Go down that alley. It's fine by me, whatever. I, again, this is a note that I had for the children with the soccer ball that it may sound cynical, but it sounds like a scheme that they, they've got to mug kind-hearted tourists that go get that ball for them. I'm just saying. Hey, go get that ball down that dark alley where someone bigger than you definitely isn't waiting to steal your money. If I got hit in the head with a soccer ball and the kids who kicked it at me were like, can you get our ball? Even if they said it nicely like that. I'd be like, no, you hit me in the head. You're a stranger to me. And okay, admittedly, Billy, all the, biggest... the listeners know I probably would get the ball. You are the biggest fucking pussy that won't even stand up for yourself against literal children. No I one believes for a second. I would go get the ball. <laughs> but I would think... And that's why you're going to get mugged down that Brazilian alley. While I was getting the ball, I would think I shouldn't have to do this. And I would think poorly of the children. That's what I would do. My first note for these two is fart joke. That's what I have written down. Fart joke. They do a fart joke. Because I think Shaggy says something about bean burrito. You cannot make everything south of fucking Pasadena in the United <laughs> States, Mexico, Scooby-Doo. Brazil is not known for burritos. Not Do even on a stick. One second of research. Scooby ends up air-butting this for some reason. Yeah, he joins the Brazilian soccer team. Against Team USA. And okay, yeah, I had this note. At the end, Mystery Inc. are like cheering and happy that Brazil got their due in one. But I think these kids are forgetting that they actually are American. You can cheer for teams outside of your own country. I know, but it just seems like... Well, like, there's no, there's no hero or villain here in, in the teams. It's They're also probably not cheering for Brazil and are cheering for Scooby. Even though okay. Scooby had no perceivable soccer skills, right. he was just attached to the super bouncy ball as it hit the net. Which what, has to be some sort of foul. And what's weird about Scooby joining that team as well is that the Brazilian team are like, what? No, that dog's not with us. 
and the referee is the one who's like, it's in the rule book. The dog has to play. It's a reverse Airbud. Like, yeah, there is a contingency here, and the dog must play soccer. <laughs> He's in a jersey. He's on your team. Last note is that Scooby acts like a dog. On two occasions in this episode, he uses his nose to sniff something out, and he goes to catch a small rubber ball. Just for the fun of That's it. That's definitely something a dog would do. I've seen dogs catch balls. Back in the before times when I left the apartment. Uh, I also wanted to know, I sort of skipped this. They come to this big ball pit of soccer balls. They're looking for one specific ball, and their method of how to find it is that Scooby and Shaggy cannonball into this pit and just start swimming around in it Scrooge McDuck style. Yep. It's not the way to do that. You're you're looking for a specific ball. Yes, Take Velma. one ball out, put it to the side. Velma proposed they go about it methodically, and they did not. Scooby found it, but only because he got lucky, not because he was being efficient. The Fred Factor. Fred Jones is not into ball play. No. He's bored here in Brazil. Not a fan He's of the soccer. He's not a fan of soccer balls. They're, they're in this parade. Well, no, they're... They're watching this parade, and this is after the point where Daphne, like, eye-bangs that black dude, and I guess Fred is still pissy about that because now he's making it known aloud that he doesn't want to be here, but he's just like, oh, look, another float where they're all twirling soccer balls on their fingers. Like, he's so bored with it. And you know what? Frank Welker's delivery is bored as fuck, too. So I bet you he didn't like the script either. I, I literally have the quote here. Wow, Brazilians really love soccer. Like, he's so... He's over it. ...tired (laughs) of this shit they've been handing him for the special DVD episode. I will say, I feel like Fred's plans here are kind of lame ducks. They're not his best. At one point, they're in the stadium, and the problem is like, Oh, how do we get down to the field? And Fred says, I bet those stairs will get us there. (laughs) Yeah. Those are the, those will take you downstairs. Who wrote this? Who wrote this special? Uh, this was written by Aaron Marr and Caitlin Rendell. Well, you made a boring fucking Fred Jones and Frank Welker delivered. I did like where he ripped a flag off the flagpole and used that as a spear. But he did not drive it through the heart of any monster, so points off for that. I feel like we're blowing through this quick, but minor mentions? Minor mentions. Black soccer player that eye bangs Daphne. Eye bangs Daphne with dot eyes. There is an abundance of dot eyes in this film, I will say. It it adds to the sort of, like, background element being a lot simpler. Next up is Mr. Luna. He's, I don't know, the commissioner of soccer or something? He drives around in a golf cart. I don't think we ever see him outside of his golf cart. I don't know if it's confirmed that he can walk. He is played by Rob Paulson, though. So there is some delightful comedy there. Oh, yes. He has a silly voice. He's got a part where he answers his phone and he's just like, Baboons? I said balloons! Implying that, like, now baboons have been released onto the field or some (laughs) shit. And it's just kind of like, um, hi guys, why is this scene here? Is it to pad time or is it because you had to use that hilarious baboon joke that should have gotten cut for draft two? I think it's, it's probably that, like this, 
this episode kind of does just like chug along a little. So they're like, let's throw at least Rob Paulson into the mix. Uh, there are also those two boys who lost their signed soccer ball by kicking it into an alley. They have a precious sports memorabilia that they are still playing with. They deserve to lose it. Also, I don't think that this was done accidentally. I still think this was intentional to mug unsuspecting tourists. You don't play with your signed ball. We've all seen the Sandlot. We know that's a bad idea. Also, that could also be part of the scam. I mean, the... Ooh, it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if that was actually signed. If the kids were like, that was a signed ball and you lost it. Give me money for $500, please. Yeah. Or I'll cry like a child would, for that's what I am. I I think you're blowing the lid off this scam. Uh, There's also a man in an armadillo costume and his handler, neither (laughs) of which are named. The man in the costume is pissy and his handler's voice is just awful. Yeah, the armadillo man wants to be paid an extra fee for marching in the parade because apparently his... Uh, annual appearance fee, it only covers events that take place within the stadium. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of salary a mascot pulls in. I'm so very glad that we also got that scene of a man in an armadillo costume arguing about his contract. I didn't, I didn't mind it because he was dressed as an armadillo and that was kind of fun for me. Next up, I have lumped every security guard that we see together because I don't care about any of them. Uh, besides the one that watches a monster turn to dust, a pile, like, it teleports and it leaves behind a pile of dust, and he's just like, what? And he puts his hand right (laughs) in this fucking dust. It could be anything, my man. Don't put your hand in it. He's just, he is lost in the whimsy of it, though, Amelia. And speaking of whimsy, Danny Trejo is in this movie. Why is that whimsical? It's not. That was, the, again, the subversion of expectations. Uh, but boy, Danny Trejo is here. It is a much more professional Danny Trejo than I've ever seen. He has, he has short hair, uh, yeah, well-dressed. Yeah, he's animated, Billy. That helps. He is the head of security here at the lab, and he is intense because he is Danny Trejo. Happy to see him in Scooby-Doo. That was the highlight for me. Do you remember in the fourth Crow movie, Danny Trejo's part? I don't. Where he's like the head of the Native American tribe that started the like Crow mythos. And at one point he has to like take his shirt off and jiggle around in a quote unquote ceremonial dance. And if I hadn't already had a stroke from Dennis Hopper's character, (laughs) that definitely would have done it to me. The Crow 4... Is a bad movie. And there is no redeeming it. There's no redeeming it, but I do highly recommend the Crow 3. I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you here. Crow 1. <laughs> I think it's the best. Yeah, if I ever get back into producing those videos for my retrospective video series, maybe I'll just put the first one up on Patreon. I'll make myself a Patreon page where I don't expect anyone to give me money. It's just like a hey, here's a video that you can't see on YouTube. Right. <laughs> Um, we have one last character. I don't oh, know. We if... have two last characters. Oh, okay. There's a doctor in Canto, who is a woman doctor, and Professor Perez, who's a crazy Doctor Octopus analog. I was going to ask you for Doctor Perez's name because I literally just no. wrote down Doc Ock. 
Professor Perez. If he's only a professor, why does the woman who's a doctor defer to him? Hmm. I don't know what the order of operations are. If you, like, if you are a doctor and also a professor. Do you get called professor? Yeah, like, which one usurps? I can't help but feel a doctor's more impressive. It feels it, but maybe you need to be a doctor to be a professor. Think back to some of the university professors you had. Did all of them deserve a PhD? Not the one. <laughs> um, yeah, but this professor, like, he travels through his lab on a robot arm to make coffee. He is a mad scientist, if I've ever seen one, but quite chipper and friendly. He makes an elixir that is the main focus of this movie. It makes rubber bouncier. So maybe instead of a mad scientist, Who I should call him a nutty professor. needs this? Who asked for bouncier rubber? Was it children? Children, I was going to say. Was it children looking at their Super Bowl thinking, you know what? This could, it could go higher. This could go higher. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay, maybe so this is children, where the whimsy goes, though. He's got the whimsy. So children are funding this scientific... Everyone's a child at heart. Now, you had one massive problem with this film, which comes from this elixir. Yes. The monster that we haven't gotten into yet, but we're going to spoil it right here. It's not a real monster, everyone. He was in a costume stealing this elixir from the lab. He's down a dirty back alley, I guess, just holding it precariously in his fingers. <laughs> and then that soccer ball that the children kicked down that same alley hits the Hits the test tube, shatters it. Terrible accident. Covers the soccer ball in the bouncy elixir. And then that ball becomes super bouncy. Soccer balls aren't rubber. They are plastic, sewn together, and inflated with yeah. air. Canvas, at the very least, right? I don't think it's a, just a big super ball that they play no. soccer with in Brazil. It is plastic, sewn together, and filled with air. The air is important. If you've ever tried to play with a deflated soccer ball, you understand the pain. That ball wouldn't get super bouncy. So the whole scientific basis of this film... Yeah, that rubber needs to be bouncier. ...is nonsense. The monster? I like the monster. Eshu, who is apparently from Brazilian mythology. Apparently? No one, we, me and Billy didn't look into it. We thought, you know what? If they can't be fucked to do research, neither can we. <laughs> I, I think it's likely this is true, though. I feel like this feels like a real mythological thing. And I absolutely love the design. It is like a red horned alien demon. And it scuttles along walls. It was actually like sort of swimming in that soccer ball pit, like some sort of deadly sea creature. And it has terrifying rows of teeth. I guess its design is okay. There's just something about it I don't like. I think it's its costume. The costume to me says, this is an alien race from Star Trek. It, I don't know, it really worked for me, though. I, I think the scenes where it was scuttling and it was skulking around the corners, very, very effective. But who is it underneath the mask? Okay, but just real quick before that, 
the Amazon rainforest area. It doesn't have like rocks and stuff. You can't build monuments and pyramids and stuff. And this feels like something you need to find lurking in a pyramid, not the alleyways of Rio de Janeiro. Which isn't really Rio de Janeiro because they didn't put Jesus on the mountaintop. <laughs> they didn't. Where's Jesus, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> That's how we know it's Rio de Janeiro. That is absolutely the clip that people are going to take from this episode is you yelling, where's Jesus, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> I mean, that at this point could probably be the quote on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the thing is, a giant statue of Jesus on a mountaintop animated in a Scooby-Doo feature, who's that going to offend? It's literally a monument. Who is that going to offend? Show in the background. If (laughs) Ratatouille can show the Jesus statue, so can you, Scooby-Doo. Anyways, what the fuck were we talking about? We were talking about who was underneath the mask. Oh, it's Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is underneath the mask. And you want to know why he's under the mask? Well, I watched it, but the listeners might. Because he needs money. And you know why he needs money? Because he needs to buy a fucking magic kit. (laughs) So he can be a magician. Now, sir, you work a job. You work a job. You are paid a salary. And if you would like to use a portion of that salary to buy a magician's kit, I think you can. Which will consist of some handkerchiefs and some connected rings and a top hat and is not going to cost as much money as you think it's going to cost. Millions of dollars. Millions. I, I just... I like, though, I cannot fault a film... For having Danny Trejo want to be a stage magician. <laughs> but not, but always disappointing his father. Fatherhood stories are important. So. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We know it's not feasible because soccer balls aren't rubber. That and it's, and it's general. Well, I guess that well, was... Well, no, the soccer ball wasn't part of the plan. Part of the That's plan true. was that he dressed up as a monster and just worked an inside job at the lab where he was. But then we never learn how he scuttles along the walls like a spider. We never learn how he teleports. Sure, he likes hobby magic, but teleportation? How is he doing these things? Obviously, he doesn't need a fucking magician's kit. Why doesn't he just take this show on the road? That's true. Themed magic is so fucking popular. The demon who does magic? Also, it was his plan that the scientists were going to look on their security camera and say, Oh, it was a demon. Nothing we can do about that. Yeah, that's what happens until they start finding clues. These meddling kids. Terror scale. It's creepy looking, I suppose, and at least it doesn't speak English, so three. Uh, I think it's an incredibly effective costume. I think the way he scuttles and swims is very well done. I'm going high here. I'm going to go an eight. <sighs> I, he's a de- It's a literal demon. He is a trickster spirit. And we get none of the trickster. Like, if we had had enough time to flesh out, like, why is he going after a ball? That's kind of tricksy. Not really, because it's 22 minutes long. You get nothing out of nobody. Do we have any other thoughts or feelings even on this? I think I've eliminated all of my notes as we talked. Uh, why is every food on a stick? No, that's fun. I'm so upset about every food being on a stick. If I go to Brazil, 
Is there going to be street food on a stick? Yes. But if I go to Brazil and try to find a hamburger, is it also going to be on a stick? <laughs> Probably not. Like, is there going to be ethnic street food I can buy on a stick? The pizza on a stick is weird because it implies that they stick at least eight sticks into this pizza as they're cooking it. Is this why the Amazon rainforest is being deforested right for, at this very for moment? For sticks. For sticks? For street food in Brazil? <laughs> Look, the stick on the fucking pancakes goes right through the top where the padded butter is. I cannot help but feel that the street food of Brazil would involve a lot more fruit and a mm. lot less fucking hamburgers. That's, yes. I don't, when I think of Brazil, you, I don't think pickle. With the pancake, though, you would need the stick to go through that butter pad because butter is notoriously slippery and it does need a point where it would stay. Listeners, if you would like to reach out to us, we can both be found on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dews. You can find all our old episodes streaming on our WordPress, Tumblr, and YouTube page, all under Scooby Doos or Scooby Don'ts. You can pledge to our Patreon for exclusives, and you can check out my own YouTube channel, Fatal Amelia, for spooky related things, some of which might be Scooby Doo. Better Scooby Doo than this, that's for fucking sure. I think it's fairly clear from our tone that this is a Scooby Don't. This is a Scooby Don't absolutely for me. Ooh. What a waste of my fucking time. I haven't been this angry about a Scooby Doo property in a while. Well, hopefully we can lift your spirits uh, with our next episode, which will be on the Nintendo 3DS game, Scooby Doo and Looney Tunes Cartoon Universe Adventure. Back to a video game. Weird place for a colon in that title, I just have to say. And on that note... <laughs> That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us... To Scooby-Dooby-You!